Hello, I am Joe Bacos, and I am here with the very first edition of the Taurus Report. Uh, it is called the Taurus Report for a not particularly profound reason. Uh, basically, I am a Taurus, and uh, this uh, report uh, is going to be about astrophysics and astronomy. And uh, as we all know, uh, astrology, astronomy, astrophysics, uh, they're all the same thing. So, uh, in any case, what I wanted to begin talking about is the recent uh, uh, results we're seeing from the Webb telescope. Uh, often in these reports, it may be referred to as the JWST, James Webb uh, Space Telescope. And all the controversy that came out where uh, uh, many were saying that uh, it these results disproved the, the Big Bang. And so I wanted to delve into that, uh, explore that a little bit, and give my opinion uh, on this controversy. And so um, let us take a look at that. So the James Webb Telescope, um, in order to understand uh, what the controversy is about, uh, we need to understand redshifting. So uh, basically the idea is this. Um, Light takes a certain amount of time to travel, and so if we're looking at something very far away, like uh, distant galaxies, it may take billions of years to get to us. So by the time it arrives to, uh, to us, what we're looking at is not only very far away, but also we're getting a picture of it as it appeared billions of years ago. And so the further away something is, the further back in time we're looking. And so how do we know how far back in time something is? And uh, we uh, understand that by how much the light is redshifted. And so light is a wave, and by redshifting, all we mean is uh, the light is kind of stretched out, so the wave is more stretched. And those colors appear redder to us, so we call it redshifting. Uh, when things appear sort of reddish, um, then we know that that light has been stretched. So um, I want to give an example here. Like here, here's an example of what's called spectral analysis. And the basic idea here is whenever any element is burned, it gives off a certain characteristic light. Uh, sodium, for example, uh, when it's burned, it gives off a uh, yellow light. And every type of star that we look at, it has its own signature, and it tells us what it is made of. And so we can classify stars based on their spectra. And here's an example of a spectra. These are emission lines uh, from a certain star. And astrophysicists can look at it, and they can tell what the star is made of, and you know what degree in its uh, development it is, and so on and so forth. Now, if the star is very far away, and the light has taken a very long time to get to us, then this exact pattern will be shifted towards the red. Um, because, uh, as I said, uh, uh, light appears redder when it gets stretched. And so when we see a star of a certain pattern, and we see that pattern shifted towards the red, then we can tell how long that light has taken to get to us, and we can tell how far away that light is. Now, what is 
interesting about the Webb telescope is that it is able to resolve uh, red-shifted uh, light uh, to see galaxies that were so faint that no other telescope would be able to see them. And so we are, with the Webb telescope, able now to look further back in time than we ever have been able to do in the past. And so we're looking far enough back in time that we're getting near to the time of the theoretical Big Bang. And so if there was a Big Bang, there are certain types of things that we should be seeing, and we should be seeing the universe shaped in a certain way. And the Webb telescope is resolving things that are so distant and so far back that it can kind of look into uh, that time period. Uh, and in the uh, next segment, we will take a look at what it has found there. Now, the first thing I'd just like to note that uh, I am going to provide in the comments uh, links to all of the sites that I visit during this presentation. So, uh, looking far back, um, what is it that Webb saw that's so controversial? So, the idea is, if the universe started from a very hot, dense state, where all the matter in the universe was kind of compressed into some small space, and it's very hot, and then it expanded from that uh, circumstance, we kind of roughly think of that general idea as the Big Bang. Uh, now recently, um, there's been sort of another controversy on exactly how we define the Big Bang and what those words mean uh, together with things like inflation and all of that, which I'm going to get into little by little to explain e each uh, uh, step. Uh, in, in the purported uh, process about the beginning of the universe. But that is the basic idea, that um, early in the universe, all of the matter was in a much smaller area, it was much more dense, and it was hot. Uh, and it wasn't yet formed into things with structure like galaxies and stars. So you can think of it as a very uh, compressed, uh, hot, dense uh, ball of plasma or gas. Um, and then it expanded from that point. And as it expanded, it would take on structure, uh, you know, to first form like rough clumps of matter. Uh, and then from those clumps would start forming uh, galaxies and stars and so forth. And so what is controversial about what uh, Webb is seeing is that when you look back and you get near the Big Bang, we're not expecting to see uh, galaxies and stars formed into... Um, neat spiral and disk galaxies uh, like those we see in this modern time. Uh, when I say modern time, I mean things that are close to us, you know, spiral and disk galaxies that we can see nearer our time. Uh, instead, we're kind of expected, expecting to see kind of rough uh, clumps of matter and not yet formed into those uh, disks and ellipses. And uh, this uh, site at uh, NASA gives an example of what we're talking about. 
so when Webb looked back, it did see lots of uh, galaxies that are sort of modern looking. Okay, you've got spirals, you've got ellipses, uh, you've got uh, disks. Um, and so we're seeing structure and galaxies at a time uh, when we weren't really expecting that. Okay, and so this uh, site, which again, I will include the links in it, kind of gets into that and explains, you know, why this is uh, sort of unexpected. Um, now, a little later in the presentation, we will get into uh, how uh, astrophysicists are, are trying to interpret things in a way to, so as to preserve the Big Bang. Um, but uh, we'll get into that uh, in the next segment. Another issue, uh, another problem um, for Big Bang cosmology based on what we're seeing from Webb uh, is the fact that Webb is seeing uh, galaxies, uh, not just the structure, uh, spirals and uh, disks, but it's also seeing galaxies that are smaller and brighter than what we expect. And the difficulty is this. Um, Modern cosmology has incorporated uh, uh, a version of the expansion of space uh, that Einstein suggested, um, which uh, if gravity is as depicted in Einstein's general relativity, uh, an obvious question is, how is it that the universe is expanding? Uh, when we're looking at far uh, galaxies far away from us, uh, and we see them extremely redshifted, which suggests that they're accelerating away from us, how is it that the universe can be expanding? Because, you know, according to uh, a very simple gravitational law based on general relativity, one would imagine that over time the universe would be compressing because of gravity. Gravity would be attracting everything and pulling it back together. Um, and so Einstein introduced an expansion constant, and that has been refined uh, by cosmologists over the decades. But the basic idea is that, uh, according to this theory, space itself is stretching over time. Now, this stretch is very small on... Uh, distances that we're used to, that we live and breathe in. Uh, but So we're talking about intergalactic uh, distances. At those distances, space itself is stretching. And so what does this have to do with uh, uh, the controversy with what we're seeing with, with Webb? And this part is sort of counterintuitive, but uh, I've, I'm going to link this article uh, uh, by Ethan Siegel uh, at uh, uh, it starts with a bang uh, this article is a few years old but it's about this this very issue that I'm about to talk about um, and that is that if uh, it is true that space itself is expanding then something counterintuitive is going to happen when we look at very distant objects uh, normally when an object gets further away from us, we expect that object to appear smaller and smaller and smaller. And 
that is very intuitive and that is a very normal uh, occurrence to us. You know, as an object gets further away, it's supposed to appear smaller. Now, if space is expanding, the counterintuitive thing that happens is at a certain far distance, and I forget uh, where, what that distance is in the object. What is that? Uh, well, in any case, the redshift is like uh, near a redshift of uh, 2. Uh, and I'll explain a little bit more about uh, uh, rating a redshift uh, later. But at a certain distance, um, that's very far away, so we're talking about billions of years uh, light has been traveling to us. Once you get far that far distance and you're getting near uh, the time of the Big Bang, like that's how far back you're looking, as an object gets further, it does not get smaller. Uh, it uh, instead actually starts to appear a little bit larger as it gets further away if space is stretching in the way that uh, uh, modern cosmology presents it those galaxies should appear larger than they're appearing and they should be bright uh, I'm sorry fainter okay so we have a problem in that web is seeing them smaller as if they really are getting smaller with distance and brighter. In other words, they're not fading. So what uh, current theory predicts is that they will appear larger and fainter and instead what we are seeing is that they are smaller and brighter. And this calls into question just the fundamental idea about uh, space stretching. In other words, we may have to look at other explanations for the fact that light is redshifted from these galaxies. Now, that is incontrovertible. Okay, We know that the light is redshifted uh, for the reasons that I explained a little earlier. Um, and uh, that redshift uh, is explained uh, by current theory based on the idea that space is stretching. Now, if space is not stretching, then we have to reinterpret that redshift, uh, uh, which I do in the theory which I am going to present later, a uh, reinterpretation of that redshift. Uh, but this is also something that uh, uh, has to be dealt with. This is also something we're seeing in Webb that um, current uh, cosmology is having a difficult time explaining. Another issue that we need to deal with uh, based on what we're seeing from Webb is metallicity. Now in this one I may be being a, a little premature in that um, a lot of studies about this haven't come out yet. So with that caveat that I may be a little premature, um, and this is one study I've seen that kind of illustrates what I'm talking about. Uh, this paper entitled The Discovery of a Dusty Chemically Mature Companion to a Z4 uh, starburst galaxy with Webb, okay? Um, and uh, I, I'm predicting that we're going to see more papers like this, and that this, I am predicting that this metallicity will present even more of a problem as we look at more and more observations from Webb. So with that uh, uh, 
disclaimer that I may be a little premature on this, I'm going to proceed. And this is the basic idea. Um, in the beginning of the universe, according to current theory, uh, all that should be there is mostly like hydrogen and helium and maybe some lithium. Uh, but the point is, uh, other elements shouldn't be there yet because stars make those by, uh, they start at the beginning of the universe, it's theorized, of being just hydrogen and helium. And then they burn very bright. These are called population three stars. And they go supernova. And in the process of going supernova, that's when heavier elements are made. Now, on a periodic table, in the context we're talking about, basically anything uh, beyond uh, this hydrogen, helium, lithium, anything heavier than that, we're kind of calling metal. So we're using metal in a way that's not typically used day to day. Okay, basically we're, we're saying anything, you know, heavier than lithium, we're going to call a metal. Um, and when I'm talking about metallicity, I mean the appearance of these heavier elements. Uh, according to current theory, these heavier elements only can be formed uh, when stars uh, go through a cycle of, you know, gas coming together. It forms a star made primarily hydrogen and helium. It goes nova. In that nova, heavier elements are made. Then it can go through another cycle where the gas comes together again and uh, it goes nova again, creating even heavier elements. And so these heavier elements we'll call metals. We'll just lump them all together as metals. Um, and so that's what we're talking about when we say metallicity. Now this study in particular here, and I will link this again, it's showing that we have these kinds of metals present at this time. Uh, and here we have a uh, Z equals 4, and, and that's the redshift. Z is the redshift. And I'm also going to link this uh, redshift calculator that shows me when I enter a 4 in over here, and then just press flat because we're in a flat universe. Um, it will tell us that this is about, the universe was about 1.5 uh, billion years old at the time. You know, our, our sun is four billion years old. And so this is like right at the beginning of the universe. And back then, we're kind of expecting mainly to see population three stars, meaning just hydrogen and helium only, uh, without any metals. And here we have, we're viewing uh, light that shows uh, that these metals are present. And how do we know they're present? It gets back to this first thing I talked about was these uh, spectral signatures. Remember where I said that when you analyze light, um, every element when it's burned, uh, or I should say heated rather than burned, but anyways, uh, any element when it's heated, it gives off light with a certain signature. So that is how we can tell what stars are made of, because we're seeing the signature, uh, or at least in this study, they saw the signature of uh, metals being present. Uh, and this does present another problem, because supposedly near the Big Bang, uh, metals shouldn't be present yet, because a star's got to burn for a billion years, you know, and then reform, uh, and then go nova again. Um, 
And so uh, at, at that time, according to current cosmology, there wouldn't have been time for that. Uh, so metallicity does present another problem. Very good. Uh, so now I'd like to take a look at uh, the controversy about all this. Uh, big name um, in this controversy when it first erupted uh, was Eric Lerner, uh, who has his own uh, theory called uh, uh, plasma cosmology. And I would just like to show you something. If we were to uh, go into Google here, and I am going to put quotations around Eric Lerner, and then I'll do JWST, and then I'll put quotations around Big Bang, and I hit enter, and we start uh, seeing the controversy. Uh, many uh, cosmologists uh, coming in to uh, basically argue against what Eric Lerner was saying. Uh, I have a little difficulty uh, in this sense. You know, as I scroll down here, uh, most of these links, if you click on them, will be people explaining why Eric Lerner is wrong and why uh, the Webb telescope did not disprove the Big Bang. Um, uh, basically, I think kind of presenting him as a, uh, a crackpot you know, uh, and, and uh, doing all of that. And here's my difficulty with this. Uh, there's, to me, there's two separate issues. There is Eric Lerner's own theory, plasma cosmology, um, which I am not going to get into uh, critiquing that theory because I have my own theory to present. And so I'm not really going to uh, discuss plasma cosmology, but I do um, suggest, you know, if you'd like to really see some of the intimate details of this controversy, you might want to Google that and look into it and uh, uh, see what Eric Lerner has to say uh, um, rather than having me present his stuff to you. Uh, but here's the difficulty I have with uh, the mainstream response. The valid points that Eric Lerner raises are the ones that I have already presented to you thus far. Okay, those three main issues. Okay, number one, seeing disks and spirals that early. Okay, number two, seeing galaxies so bright and so small that early. Okay, and um, number three, the metallicity. Okay, now, these issues are valid, and they present a real challenge uh, to uh, uh, mainstream cosmology. And in all of these articles, when I click on them, and people are arguing about uh, uh, Eric Lerner and, and what he said, what they do is they launch into attacks on his plasma cosmology, and they skip over all of the valid critiques. And thus far, I have not found any satisfactory mainstream response to any of the objections raised by Lerner. Uh, and I feel that we should sort of bracket and kind of set aside uh, debate about plasma cosmology and let that uh, stand or fall on its own merits. But, setting that aside, why not address 
the very real and valid objections that Lerner raised, uh, which I happen to agree with. Um, now, I do notice the only real mainstream article I found that uh, in, in a, um, you know, well-respected uh, uh, journal was this article by the Scientific American. And, uh, you know, I, I was greatly relieved when I saw this. Uh, the Scientific American, it said, Webb is breaking the Big Bang paradigm. Okay. And here, uh, this article is... Uh, basically saying what Lerner said is that, you know, this presents some real challenges uh, to uh, mainstream cosmology, and I am not seeing them address those. Now, in their defense, uh, like uh, good scientists, they want to wait for the data and analyze that, and so I think Many cosmologists and astrophysicists at this point in time, they're saying, I don't know, uh, which is an acceptable thing to say. Uh, but I guess I would like to see more open acknowledgement that the Big Bang paradigm uh, has some real difficulties to answer. And I'll delve into that a little bit in the uh, next segment. Mainstream uh, cosmology... Uh, which is really uh, general relativity, uh, lambda, cold, dark matter uh, theory, along with, uh, that's probably like 90% of uh, uh, modern astrophysicists subscribe to that theory. And also there is uh, MOND, uh, modified gravity, uh, uh, originated by Mordechai uh, uh, Milgram. Um, and they are probably... Uh, the other 10% of modern cosmologists. What all of them have in common is a belief in the Big Bang and a belief in interpreting cosmological expansion as the stretching of space itself. Um, now, in order to save standard cosmology, I'll call it, uh, after seeing the results from Webb, uh, they have to play with different things like uh, the expansion rate. They can play with it so that these galaxies had time to form. They can play with gravity uh, so that these galaxies would have time to form. Um, they could play with uh, uh, dark matter. Uh, and putting it in different places, different shapes and densities of dark matter. They could play with the idea of uh, black holes. Um, I've seen some papers attempting to do that. So there's various ways to kind of play with all of these parameters to make the Big Bang and uh, stretching of space consistent with what we're seeing uh, from Webb. Um, I am skeptical of that, um, and I am going to present uh, my own theory, uh, which is uh, cyclic gravity and cosmology, uh, CGC. And CGC, it presents a universe that is eternal, 
and forever alternating between periods of gentle, I call it gentle like it's not an explosion or not a rapid expansion like Big Bang. It's a, a gentle expansion and gentle contraction. Um, and uh, this theory does this without dark matter, uh, without dark energy, uh, without the stretching of space, without things like inflation, uh, and using only those forces that uh, uh, we are very familiar with, okay? Just the uh, basic forces, uh, you know, the strong, uh, the, that uh, particle physicists have been working with uh, for decades. The strong force, uh, the weak nuclear force, uh, and electromagnetism. So just using those forces uh, is able to present this cosmology. Now, uh, the criticism of any type of proposal like this is based on, well, I shouldn't say that. A, a major portion of the criticism is caused by two phenomenon that we observe uh, that would challenge any theorist to come up with an explanation with them different than the Big Bang and, and uh, cosmological expansion. And that is the redshifting of light. We see that light is redshifted all around the universe, and any theory has to explain that. Um, and we have the CMB, the cosmic uh, microwave background radiation, which standard theory explains as the afterglow of the Big Bang. So any theory seeking to supplant uh, Big Bang cosmology is going to have to explain the CMB. Those are the two major things, uh, the cosmic microwave background radiation and also uh, the redshift that we're seeing. So in my uh, next uh, episode, uh, which will be uh, next Sunday, let's see, what are we on? We are on uh, November 27th, so that will be December 4th sometime in the evening, and I live in California, so when I say evening, I mean California time. Uh, I will post the next episode in this, seri uh, in this series, and in that episode, I want to delve into a little bit uh, an explanation of the cosmic microwave background radiation and cosmological expansion uh, understood by standard theory as a stretching of space, and I'm going to propose alternative explanations to those uh, before I get into, uh, in the episodes following that one, a uh, in-depth, step-by-step explanation of, uh, of my theory. Thank you very much for watching, and we will see you in a week.